And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on today's experience. It's marvelous, monumental, most fascinating, if you understand Vulcan, massively mind-bending Monday as we join our hearts and minds in one accord to draw closer to the King of Kings and glorify his name. First, he has brightened our eyes. Now let's sit with this thought for a second. He has brightened our eyes a long while. Just think about that. He has brightened our eyes. God has given brightened eyes to his children. That means that for the future, we can truly see it with God in it. Too often, we see with a dark vision. Clouds and storms obscure the view. God gives us a ladder to see heaven's view. It's bright, it's sunny, and it's clear. Next, in his unfailing love, God has not abandoned us. How do we know that God has not abandoned us? Did you wake up today? Are you up this morning? Because God's mercies and compassions are new every morning. And if the Lord chooses to call you home sooner, then his faithfulness will surround you. We know he loves us because he tells us. And finally, God caused the Gentile kings to be favorable to the children of Israel. Christians tend to forget about Daniel. He served a powerfully and mostly wicked king, even though Nebi had some very good moments. Amid a foreign power crushing the nation of Israel, God exalted various faithful followers and granted them incredible power. Remember, God is still in charge. David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events. Personal revelations. Spiritual observations. My life's insanities and oeve. So much more. Hey, 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 hey there. Hey. That's, that's, me. Hey. that's me having a conversation with myself. Isn't that bizarre? Uh, hey, we're asking you, what do you think? You guys have a thought. You have an opinion. You have a comment. You got an idea. Don't let that die alone. Let us reach out to us. Let us know what you think. You can email us, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. You can text us, 214-210-8483. Right in the middle of the show. Oh, it's fun. You can also call us at 972-445-0770. And calling 972-445-0770, you will have Captain Chris answer the phone. I mean, hi there. There, there. That's top notch. We got to give you some kind of saying. You got to come up with your own little saying, like, you know, that's just, uh, you know, top of the class, something like that. Come up top with of the class. All right, top of the class. Anyhow, when you talk to him, you'll have a, a smile on your face. He's a great guy, and he's doing an excellent job helping us out, coordinating the show. Here's the bottom line. Maybe you have a prayer request. Maybe you have a praise report. Maybe you have something you just want to share and just want the body of Christ to hear it. 
you just like, eh, I just feel like I need to share this. It's in my heart. Uh, maybe any of those things are going on. Or maybe you haven't answered a Bible trivia. And this would be the Bible trivia question for you. When Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did his disciples do? While he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, what were his disciples doing? We were not taking a crafting class, so let's do a little better than that. Okay? Okay. Uh, bottom line, if you know that answer, you can call us at 972-445-0770, or you can text 214-210-8483, or you can send an email to david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. Which leads us to the website. We encourage you to website, check out. Website, hemustincrease.org, hemustincrease.org. Email david at hemustincrease.org. Facebook, hemustincreaseministry. YouTube, hemustincreaseministry. All right, check out the website. A couple things there. The book. By the way, the print of the book is done. So big props to all the people that helped me, uh, uh, especially uh, Cordelia and Joanne. I mean, the print is perfect. It's up-to-dated. It's perfect. Not a single mistake. It might be one S in the wrong place. That's it. Out of, the, out of 48,573 words. The the part that's the electronic, they just take a little longer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I cannot tell you. Anyhow, that's uh, going on, and uh, that's doing well. And then I have another surprise announcement that's coming out two, three, three weeks from now. So I got, we got stuff going on. You know, we're sharing. We're taking care of things, doing stuff we got to do. Uh, bottom line, I just want you guys to remember, it's not professional radio. It's just radio. So any topic is open for conversation. It's a cross between Steve Martin, Sean Hannity, and Focus on the Family. That is fair to say. And it does look like we have somebody who's going to be answering the trivia question. So I will get the ring, and we will go from there. This is David. Who am I talking to? Good afternoon, David. It's Carolyn. Hi, Carolyn. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Okay. Yeah, I know you I got the answer. answer for okay. the trivia, David. Go ahead, fire away. Give me the answer. They were sleeping. That is correct, Amundo. <laughs> you are right. Yes, ding ding. Yeah. Good job on I that enjoy, one. I enjoy you too, David. Um, I listened to it on the way home. So, so you're done with work or done with whatever you're doing on the way home? Yes, That's I get nice. up at two. That's you nice. your time, but I get in at the, the end of your program. Awesome. I'm glad that you get to listen to it, and I certainly hope it stays a blessing for you. Have a good afternoon, and bless you. All right, you too. Bye-bye. All right. Fantastic. Okay. All right, for those that, see, we're just living, having a good time, enjoying one another, this will just... I think this is one of the coolest teachings. So now we're getting into cooler stuff in the Ezra and Nehemiah realm. Remember I told you the first part about it was a little tougher. This is a little bit of the cooler stuff. Here we go. I am reading. So then they slept. They were sleeping. Yeah, none of us have ever slept on the job, so that's good in the Lord. Uh, let's see. Here is uh, the text out of Ezra chapter 9. Uh Picking it up at uh, verse uh, about 8 or so. Uh, he has given us security in this holy place. Our God has brightened our eyes and granted us relief from our slavery. Oh, these are the kind of texts that 
I can tell you right now, if you go into Ezra 9 and just block out these next couple of verses and kind of like highlight them, it's like every time you read your Bible across, you'll be like, going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. And the reason is because what happens for you and I is we uh, move from being a child that sees most everything in kind of uh, kind of perkier terms may be a nice way to say it, and then you become a teenager and uh, you get a little bit more... uh, I don't want to say bitter, but maybe you get a little attitude going or whatever the case may be. And then you come out of that phase and you go through into your 20s and your 30s and you're just going through the process of life. And, you know, you get married, you have children, you have people around you uh, and you get into your 40s and 50s. And all of a sudden people start dying. That's the weirdest thing in the world. And then uh, as you get older, it keeps going. It keeps going. What happens for many people is they lose their sight. They lose the ability to see anything from a um, illuminated point of view. Everything looks darker. And that is not uncommon. In fact, we, we, we have that uh, malady in our society. It's called depression. It happens very, it's very real. It's biblically talked about. So it's not, that's not like it's new. It just happens that instead of having a sense of hope, there's a sense of despair. And actually, the word uh, depression itself, I think it comes from that Latin word to push down with a thumb. So it's kind of like that's a great way to understand it, being pushed down and it's a it's a bad place to be and a tough place to be. But there are answers. And no, it doesn't mean you should never use medical help. So don't get weird on me. We're not saying that. But what we are saying is that God enables us to have brightened eyes and relief from our slavery. Now that slavery, for those that are going to freak out on the woke culture, PC, and all that other stuff, that slavery has to do with the things that keep you and I in bondage. It's not talking about – it's talking about slavery that where we are oppressed inwardly as well as outwardly. And what the Lord wants us to do is have brightened eyes. And I can – I just want to explain it to you in the best possible term. To To have brightened eyes means to see with hope. It means that we have put God in the picture, and so the picture looks different. We have brought God into the circumstance, and the circumstance looks different. Every situation you encounter has its own ups and downs, the positives, the negatives, the left, the right, the east, the west, the north, the south. But as soon as God is inserted in it, it changes it. Because it's like, okay, well, I mean, but now that God's in the middle of that, it looks different. And that's what the brightness of eyes is. And even though they're coming off this place and, you know, they've repented and they've, you know, they've they've done some th- wrong things and Ezra's doing this prayer and trying to, you know, get the people rallied into the right mindset, he's acknowledging something that happens. And that is when things are really dark, God brightens our eyes. And when you live with hope, hope means tomorrow will be better. That's a powerful tool to live with. It's a gift that God gives. Hope. Brightened eyes. All right, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Most of my life it feels like I've been It's incredible. And it's never been done before. And you 
can be the first person in your neighborhood to win. What is it? It's a contest. How do I play? It's simple. And there's three ways to win. You can go to Facebook, type in David Spoon Media. And on any Facebook post, type in the word Jesus in the comment section. And it's free. You can also send an email to davidspoonmedia at gmail.com and write the word Jesus in the subject line. Or you can go to YouTube and give a comment on any video. But you have to use the word Jesus. This is your chance to win, and it's free. What do I win? You can win 100 thank yous right on air. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. But it's only for a limited time. Enter now. Here's a taste. Thank you for listening to the David Spoon Experience. What is the David Spoon Experience? Then he says this, don't be afraid. Why should you not be afraid? Because what fear does is immobilizes a person, stops them from moving forward, and it also eats away at faith. Fear has this way. It's kind of like if you think of faith as, uh, I'll do this now, as uh, uh, chocolate ice cream that has peanut butter in it, okay? Uh, That's faith, okay? Fear is like somebody drilling a hole underneath and then taking a little spoon and then pulling some of that faith down, a little scoop by scoop by scoop by scoop. And you don't want your faith reduced because God requires faith to us to engage with him in. That's his requirement. That's the vehicle by which he has chosen to engage with humanity. You don't think God could have said, it's me, you're going to believe, or I'm going to turn you into a fish. I mean, you don't think God could have done that? But he chose the vehicle of faith because that's what he wanted from those that would come to him. A confidence, an assurance in the goodness of God. So Jesus, the first thing he says, ignore it, don't be afraid of it. And then he does this one radically crazy, nutsy, cuckoo line, just believe. And we use that in movies and in books and in fairy tales and all that stuff. We're not talking about any of that stuff. This is believing, looking at a situation just like Abraham did, just like we talked yesterday, how Abraham looked at the circumstance, didn't deny he was old, didn't deny he was past childbearing, and said, I'm just going to believe God anyway. Uh, That attitude of just believe, it's taking a stand in the framework of your faith that says, I'm not moving. Here I am. Call me Bulldog. I'm right here. I'm not going nowhere. My faith is solid. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Before we get to the trivia question, I was reminded, just thought of this uh, as we were just getting ready to come back, and that is Michaela. She's one of our listeners. She listens, uh, has been listening for a while. Anyway, she tested me over the weekend. She she just got COVID, doesn't have a lot of support. So I'd like to pray for her real quickly, uh, you know, just that she would uh, recover quickly. So let's just pray that right now. Lord, we come before you, lift up Michaela to you. We just ask you, please, in the name of Jesus, that you would touch, physically touch her. 
She has faith in you. She has confidence in you, and we love that. She believes in you wholeheartedly, Lord. We just ask you that she would not have that loneliness, that lonely sense while she's going through this trial, and that she would know that people are thinking of her and praying for her and asking for your grace into her life, and that she would, in fact, recover quickly, and we would hear about that quickly. We ask for expedience in this and your comfort most specifically, pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, now we can go into our next trivia question. This should not be very difficult, so I'm going to say that ahead of time. It does not have—we don't have any horns today, so there's no horns, just to let you know. Uh, On what day of the week was Jesus crucified? There you go. On what day of the week was Jesus crucified? crucified. If you think you know the answer, you can call in 972-445-0770. Not trying to be overly theological, just keeping it simple so everybody doesn't have to go, oh, technically. We're not doing technically. Uh, Text-wise, 214-210-8483. And then, of course, the uh, email, david at org. While you guys are responding to that, I will give you my list of not-that-funny jokes. So, that's right. <laughs> I'm already telling you now, hey, they're not that funny. There's, there's one good one, but I'm doing a bunch of small ones. Ready? You ready for this? All right. If somebody calls in, we'll break. But in the meantime, here we go. So you can either have your buzzer or your whatever or your whatever they got. All right, here's the first one. Uh, children's church teacher asked her class, what do we learn from the story of Jonah? An eight-year-old boy put his hand up and said, travel by air. <laughs> See, don't travel by air. <laughs> 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 All right, that's not that bad, right? All right. <laughs> this, this one is pretty good. I think you guys should use this in the future. What's a pessimist? Someone who can look at the land of milk and honey and see only the calories and the cholesterol. <laughs> No! <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. All right, uh, children's uh, church teacher said, Charlie, what can you tell me about Aaron? Aaron, Charlie. His name was the first in the telephone. <laughs> Aaron. A-A. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I don't believe it. Here, this is, a, this is a good one, if you really appreciate it. A man told his boss he was called to be a preacher and resigned his job. He was back on the job in two weeks. I thought you were called to be a preacher, he asked. Yes, he replied. But that was before God heard me preach. (laughs) That's so mean. (laughs) That's right. I liked it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Good play on that one. I like that one. All right. Uh, Let's go back to the text. As you know, the trivia question, for those of you that missed it. Uh, What day of the week was Jesus crucified? Just keeping it simple. You don't have to get all, you know, freaked out. We do have somebody calling in, so we'll get that going and uh, give people a chance to, you know, answer that question. (laughs) That was before God heard me preach. Oh, come on. (laughs) You guys, you got to laugh. I understand, I understand. When you're done with this, you can go back to, you know, being miserable. But after after this, okay? In the meantime, be encouraged. All right, so we're going to see if the, somebody does or does not have the answer. If they don't have the answer, they know if they do, they do, they do. There we go. Getting ready. Here we go. Ring, 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 ring. This is David. Who am I talking to? 
Hi, David. This is your friend, Ken. Hi, Ken. How are you? It's another beautiful day in paradise. It is another beautiful day in paradise. Absolutely. Love it. I love when you do that. That's so good. All right, my friend. Now, this is not a complex one because I don't want to make it a complex one. What day, what day, just going for the simplicity, what day was Jesus crucified? Well, because you said it was Saturday. Say that again. You just cut out right at that moment. Say it again. Um, because it was a simple question, I guess I can answer that one. That would be Friday, I believe. That is correct, Amanda! Excellent job. Yeah, we don't. I don't want to get into the technical side. People are like, well, it was this, it was this, it was this. It was like, okay, it's Friday. Move on. <laughs> we, got, we have more well, to cover. You know, because people have these questions about what day is the Sabbath. You yeah, know? exactly. I've got a friend of mine that says, oh, it's Saturday, and I'm like, it's every day. Yeah, technically correct. Every day should be as unto the Lord. That's right. Exactly right. Good job. You are excellent at what you do. That was an excellent phone call, and I appreciate it. Thanks for answering. Thank you, David. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Bye. All right. <laughs> That's just how we are. Bring it over. All right. Watch this. All right. Uh, this next line. Remember I told you these couple of verses are all together. They're really good. These verses in Ezra. And I will tell you, I'm reading this one out of the New Living Translation, the NLT. And for those that are like, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. Okay. You got to stop doing that because God uses things that are so different to bring people to faith. And if the NLT is helping people draw closer in unto the Lord, you're supposed to say amen. If it's not what you use, amen. That's okay. But stop trying to be you for everybody else. Be you for you. Here's what the next verse says in verse 9, one of the most wonderful verses. For we were slaves, but in his unfailing love, our God did not abandon us. Ah, how is that not on a plaque, right? You have all these other ones on a plaque? How's that one not on a plaque, right? Even when we step into things we shouldn't step into, okay? And, and by that, I'll say this. The children of Israel were actually slaves on more than one occasion, technically. And we, though we don't go through that same process they went through, are often slaves to not just circumstances, but to certain sins and things in our lives that we struggle with. And it's like, that's not abnormal. If it was abnormal, then there wouldn't be an identification in the framework of Scripture that says, set aside your besetting sin. The whole point is the scriptures communicating, well, yeah, I know there's something in you that's setting you aside. You have the power to overcome it, but you, we're talking about your besetting sin. That's the one that's the really, really bad sin in your life that you know and that God knows, but kind of nobody else knows. Okay? That's talking about that too. And even when you're in the process of that, even when you're struggling to try to step up and do better and, uh, um, and, and not to walk under the influence of your own besetting sin, here's what the Lord says. His unfailing love, of, uh, his unfailing love, in his unfailing love, our God did not abandon us. Even when we were slaves, even in our slavery, it says. So God doesn't go, well, pfft, oh, sh they're struggling and they can't get through it. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to take my love back now. That is not how it works, okay? That's how it works if you have a warped image of God. God is there for us 
And whether you're struggling circumstance-wise, personal-wise, maybe you're, you're struggling and maybe there's a, a genuine bondage to an illness. It could be many things. Do not think at any point that God has abandoned us because he makes a commitment to be with us. He declares that commitment. He states it in multiple places. In Matthew chapter 1, Jesus' name is God with us. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, I am with you always even to the end of the age. In Hebrews 13.5, which is a takeoff of Deuteronomy 31.6, he said, I am with you always. Do not be afraid. It's like, how many times do you want him to tell you? In Haggai chapter 1, it says, I, the Lord, am with you. I mean, there, that, that, there you go. I'm with you. Lord, I'm, I'm doing poorly. I know you're doing poorly. I'm with you. That's the whole point. But he doesn't abandon us. That's his, his, uh, they're not doing that right. I'm out. <laughs> it's like, gee, slow down, Sparky. You know, it's like there's this attitude. It's like the Lord's not like that. I mean, we're flighty. I don't, I don't know why anybody would deny that. We're, we're, God's like, no, I'm, I'm there for you. I'm with you on the long haul. I know what's going on. I know what you got to get through. I'm there. My love for you is unfailing. Now, watch this really emotionally powerful moment of deconstructing a word. Unfailing means it doesn't fail. Get that? It doesn't fail. He does not abandon us. He does not quit on us. Being confident of this one thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. I just think that's okay, right? Now, does that mean he's always happy with everything you do? No. But he doesn't stop loving you. You know when you do that dumb thing and then you go, oh, I, mean, I do this all the time. And then I go, oh, Lord, oh, I'm so stupid. It's not like he doesn't go, I know, because I'm pretty sure he does. But he doesn't go, I'm out of here. That's a big difference. Loves us. He's not going to abandon. He's not going to fail us. People fail. People abandon. God is faithful. In fact, faithfulness is one of the fruits of the Spirit, just as a point of reference. Think of it in those terms. How wonderful. God is so kind to us, even when we're mashugi. That's the case, folks. All right, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break, we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Who is David Spoon? I have no idea. People have asked me about the David Spoon Experience. They wanted to know what I thought of him. Like any person searching for answers, I have wondered about him. He was born and raised Jewish, and after intense drug use, became a Christian. He's married to his best friend, Noel, has three children, six grandchildren, plus two dogs named Levi and Bert. He has three separate ordinations from three different denominations, and is a summa cum laude for his BA degree in ministry and leadership, as well as a master's degree of theological studies, and is involved in a PhD program. He has a weird sense of humor and talks. A lot. If people are seeking wisdom and insight from the great teachers around the world, would they go to David? No, I don't think so. And those big ears really don't help him. 
But would they enjoy his perspective on life, culture, politics, food, sports, local and national news? I don't know. I guess people will have to listen to find out. What is the David Spoon experience? Hey, David, this is Al. Hi, you brother. Doing I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Okay. I just wanted to do a call, so I wanted to try to get this answer in. All right, that and that's a that's a good. I don't know if you had a chance to hear that with Matt or not, but boy, I like that guy. He's got a you know he's committed to the doctrine. I love people that are committed. Uh, I don't know. Will, will you put his website on Facebook or? On uh, I can put it. I'll put it on our website. Give them a link, and okay. uh, I'll make sure I got to get permission because I don't want to do anything where they're not. You know, I, I'm real. I try to be really careful, but but I don't think they'll have any sure. problem with that. So we, we won't take anything. It's just it's good for apologetics, and we're going to use some of it. All right, here you go. Here okay. you go. Here's your first one. Who had a late night visit from an angel who assured him that he would be safe aboard a storm tossed. Ship. I'm, I don't think this is right, but I'm going to go with Peter. Mm, so close. What's the other name that's really close to that? <laughs> Paul? Yes, that's it. That's it. There he is. <laughs> All right. That's in Acts chapter 27, verse 23 and 24. Before they had the shipwreck at the end there at 28, he said, to relax, everybody's going to be fine. Nobody's going to die on the ship. You're all going to end up at this island, you know. And so he was telling everybody to calm down. That's the person who had the late night uh, visit. Now, Peter did have a visit from an angel in prison in Acts 12. So you could make an argument that that was part of the answer too. But that's why we went to the safe aboard a storm-tossed ship. That's, mm-hmm. that's where we get yeah. the definition. So good shot, though. Very good. Very good, my brother. You know how much I appreciate it. Good job. Yeah, and I'll never forget that answer. I'll always, <laughs> never, always you will Paul never now. forget that. Paul. Here's Paul. Here's Paul. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Excellent job, my brother. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Y'all have a great day. All right. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas, where it's Monday, but you couldn't tell by the show. Is that good? That's a good way to say that. All right. Uh, Next trivia question. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Ready? All right. Who said, I have betrayed innocent blood? Ooh. Who said, I have betrayed... Now, I don't have the accent, so... I have betrayed innocent blood. It's kind of as much of an accent as I'm going to be able to do on that one. Okay? Uh, if you think you know the answer, you can call in 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483. Don't forget about our website, but we'll get to that in a second. You can also email david at he org, which leads us to the website. Check it out. It's worth it. Website, he must increase.org, he must increase.org. Email David at he must increase.org. Facebook, he must increase ministry. YouTube, he must increase ministry. Okie dokie, artichokey, our theological term. Who said I have betrayed innocent blood? If you think you know the answer, you can call in, you can text in, or you can email in. Somebody is calling in. 
And then after that, we will do our history. And then after that, we'll do in this next section, which is just even as fabulous as the last one. I love this portion here in Ezra 9. It's just loaded with encouragement. It's just loaded with the blessings of the Lord. So are we ready for the person to answer? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? David, this is your friend Ken again. Hey, babe. Now, I'm not calling you Ken again because I already have a Roger again. A so Roger I, again, I, I, right. I, I guess the I next Ken can be yeah, Ken again. You, Thank you for being, you know, kind. <laughs> not a problem. What do you have? I have a feeling you're going to know this right off the bat, so here we go. Who said, I have betrayed innocent blood? The, the, what came to me was David. Okay, no, because I'm taking the New Testament. Who oh, betrayed okay. innocent blood after he kind of blew it? He was hooked up with a group of 12. Oh, Judas. That Judas. is correct. You got it. Yes. That's it. I have betrayed innocent blood. He knew he did it wrong. He knew it was wrong, even though he couldn't find the repentance. He knew he'd done the wrong thing. But that was a that's pretty that's actually a pretty good statement to say on David because David also betrayed innocent blood, especially with Uriah the Hittite. So that's know, th that's what came to mind. Yeah, and I, I didn't I didn't make it to the New Testament before that answer came to me. I, <laughs> that's all right. That just shows you. Now look how close that 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 element is, though. So David unfavorable. Betrayed innocent blood, but repented. When Nathan said, "Thou art the man," he goes, "You're right. I did it." Unlike Saul, unlike Judas, who when they did the wrong things, they were like, "Oh well, I did it wrong. Oh well, I did it wrong." And in fact, Saul was so bad, he said, "I did it wrong, but make me look good." But maybe it was my wife's fault. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Excellent yeah, job. Very good, my brother. I I appreciate it. All right, thank you, David. All God right, bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. God bless. Okay, let's uh, – Judas Iscariot was the answer. Okay? All right. Uh, ready for history? Let's do our little history sound for history. Let's go Now, a couple fascinating things on this history day. So let's uh, be in deep, serious consideration that today is uh, the history and the day that's acknowledged for toasted marshmallows. It's toasted marshmallow day. Yeah. Are you good at toasting marshmallows? Do you do, you do good? or? Oh, I'm uh, excellent. Are you really? Oh, yeah. I'm terrible. I'm just so bad. If it doesn't come out completely charred, it'd be it's amazing. I'm just really bad at it. You gotta work on having patience. You know what? That's it right there. First of all, I'm not a doctor, so I have no patience. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't resist. He's, he's newer. I get to do that. All right. Today is also Slinky Day. Now that's that's I'm all right with that. Slinky Day. Uh, this is what I thought was uh, two things that were really kind of cool. One or three things. Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr., first father and son to play on the same uh, team, baseball team. That happened in 1990. Still, it's fascinating. Uh, 1984, Space uh, Shuttle Discovery takes off on its first voyage. Yeah, fascinating. This is the thing I thought was the coolest, though. Okay? This reminds me of Batman. <laughs> the old series. All right, 1963, Washington-Moscow Hotline. The famous hotline, direct communication between Washington, D.C. and Moscow opens. It provided emergency communication in the event of a crisis. The need for the line was realized during the 
Cuban Missile Crisis, when it took up to six hours to deliver, it could take up to six hours to deliver a diplomatic message. It took the United States nearly 12 hours to receive and decode Soviet Soviet Premier uh, Nikita Khrushchev's 3,000 words. The idea behind all of this is so that they can have a direct line. So all you got to do is think about Batman, the uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon, and the red phone. <laughs> See, they take the thing off and they pick it up. What am I, the only person that liked the old Batman? Come on. He had, he had bat shark repellent. I mean, how brilliant is that? <laughs> okay. All right, moving on to the teaching. <laughs> I, have to, I have to save this segment somehow. The only way to save it is with teaching. Okay, here we go. All right. Here's the next text. Remember I told you there's these bunch of texts in a row? So the first one. Our God has brightened our eyes and granted us some relief from slavery. The next one, if we were slaves, but in his unfailing love, our God did not abandon us in our slavery. Watch this. Instead, he caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. All right. I could do this one all week long, but we don't have the time. So I understand the emotional feelings that people have right now in the political framework of society. I understand that there are uh, very, very committed individuals to different political positions, and the divide is getting very, very specific. I think most people can acknowledge. We don't only, not only have a divide now in our country that has to do with politics. We have a divide that has to do with health. We have a divide that has to do with uh, the entire financial structure. I mean, you're seeing it kind of break down at every level. And most people would not be wrong in thinking about it. That's a lot of indication that you know, time is getting short and the Lord's coming back. And you're right. I mean, there's it's it's pretty strong that that kind of indication, but until the trumpet blows and until the Lord comes back, there are a few things that Bible believing, born again Christians ought to be remembering. I don't care what your denominational background is. Psalm one nineteen verse sixty three. David said, "I am a companion to all them that fear you," and so this is the key text for us to. Pull it back a step and be Christians in the process. It says this. Instead, God caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. The kings of Persia were not these uh, kings that were like, Hey, Jehovah, what a guy. Love him. Right? They didn't have a poster where Jehovah was sitting on the corner of a mountain saying, Hang in there, baby. I mean, that's not what's going on. These guys have false idols, they worship the wrong things, but they all had these moments of clarity where God comes and goes, <clears throat> and they go, whoops, <laughs> it's like things straighten out. But what I want you to see is that God caused the kings of Persia to change. You see, God caused and I, I'm so tired of people posting, you know, pray for this bad thing to happen and pray for this bad thing to happen. It's like, are you kidding me? Why can't you just ask God to change everybody where they're at and make the leadership do the things that God, if they did them in honor of God, would change the country? Why don't you just stand there? 
Hasn't God hasn't God always been in charge? Did he lose it? Oh, I don't know. I guess he lost he lost the thumb file for 2018 to 2022 or something. It's like, come on. God's in charge. And not only that, but this is true in your situations and your relationships. God is able to change a heart. God is doing things. Well, God, he can't he can't override free will. That's my the, the, uh, this debate only goes so far. He can't override free will. Tell that to Paul while he's sitting blind on his keister, and God goes, "Time to go this way." Okay, I mean, just the, don't talk to me about free will for Paul. <laughs> Why? Well, because at that moment, God had something else he wanted to get done, and when God wants to get something done. It gets done. But Dave, the general principle, yeah, but not for him and not at that moment. And quite frankly, not for Jonah (laughs) at all, who got on the ship and thought it was going great. And God said, yeah, watch this. (laughs) He threw him in the water and had a fish swallow him. A lot of free will there. How's that going, Jonah? Not very good. I mean, come on. When the Lord wants something done, he gets it done. And what we should be doing is not praying against people because that's just really not well documented throughout the scripture. But we should be praying that God will do things in our leadership that will make them respond in a justice righteous capacity. I think, okay. I don't care who's uh, doing it as much as I care that it's getting done. Well, this person will get the credit. Like, I care. Only God's going to get the credit at the end. Let's pray that God changes the hearts of these people. These Persian kings were horrible. They didn't even have handlers. God changed them. He could change anybody. Right? All right. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Can't stand the skill, can't stand the shame. The David Spoon Experience is now run by He Must Increase Ministry. What this means is that we are no longer operating as a regular business, but as a nonprofit ministry that is devoted to increasing the ministry of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Bible believers, the wounded and forgotten believers, and the not yet believers through biblical truths. We are funded by listeners like yourselves and ministry partners that want to provide sponsorships for the show. Your donations are 100% tax deductible. And the great news is, if you donate to our ministry and help us advance the kingdom of God, we won't give you a thing. That's right, you'll get no special prize or gimmick. You won't ever get an anointed Bible or penny in acrylic so that you're never penniless or a guarantee that you'll become rich just because you gave. Your giving will support our unique idea of biblical encouragement. And what you'll receive is a receipt for your giving at the end of the year. It's all about sowing and reaping. Cast your bread upon the water and it will return to you. And if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. But you'll be laying up treasures in heaven. And that's the most excellent place to receive the best return for the longest time on your investment. What happens if you don't give? Nothing except more commercials like this one. Let's spare everyone from more commercials like this one. Go to hemustincrease.org. 
That's hemustincrease.org. And give if you're led to and if you're able to. Let's keep the show going and help increase its time and reach. You must like this show a little bit because, after all, you're hearing this commercial, right? Thank you. A big portion of being guided is asking, prayer, when you're praying with people, fellowship, amongst other people, can lead you to guidance. It's happened on more than one occasion for me. Counsel is obviously very good, both spiritual and not necessarily biblical. Also, practical counsel is good. Circumstances often speak to us and give us guidance. Open doors, or for that fact, closed doors. We know his word gives us guidance. We know in 2 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14, Paul said that he used peace of mind as an aspect of guidance. These are all the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us is, of course, the number one element for guidance is to be led by the Spirit, right? These are all hugely important. The David Spoon Experience on God Country, Texas, 770 KAAM. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Okay, got one more trivia question for you. It's uh, not that hard, but it's an interesting one. True or false? Gives you a 50-50 right there. True or false? Jesus warned his disciples that they would all fall away. Jesus warned his disciples that they would all fall away. If you are not sure, I'm going to give you one hint. It's Mark chapter 14. Okay? Jesus warned his disciples, you will all fall away. Okay? Uh, if that is uh, something you think you know, you're welcome to call in, 972 you can say hi to Captain Chris if you want to. You can also text in 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. You can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org, david at hemustincrease.org. In the meantime, we are going to do, because we haven't done one yet with Captain Chris, a Hebrew word. So let's play our Hebrew music. Matzo balls. Okay. All right. There we go. He hasn't had a chance to hear any of that, folks. Give him a break. Okay. Here's the text. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4. A time to weep, a time to laugh. The Hebrew word for laugh is sachek. Sachek. To laugh, to rejoice, to play, to be amused about something, to mock, to tease, to ridicule, or laugh, or something is used multiple times. It means to play, uh, whether exuberantly, uh, leaping animals. It has all of that connotation. It's just having fun. There is a time for it. And what's amazing is so many institutions, Christian, so-called Christian institutions are like, well, there's no time to, to laugh. Okay, well, just tear that out of the Bible. Let's not use it then. Okay? All right. Uh, Sawcheck, laugh, a time to laugh. Yeah, there's a time to mourn, but there's a time to laugh. 
There's a time to be angry and a time not to be angry. Okay, there you go. All that stuff. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Last uh, part of our text. I think we've covered everything in the world. Don't forget our trivia question. 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 Our trivia question. True or false, Jesus warned his disciples that they would all fall away. Uh, Mark uh, chapter 14. Be loose with the interpretation of the word fall away. Don't be too technical. Uh, here we go. Uh, so we talked about, I'm going to repeat the first three and then do the fourth one because I think it's kind of cool. Uh, our, our God has brightened our eyes and granted us some relief from our slavery. For we were slaves, but in his unfailing love, our God did not abandon us in the slavery. Instead, he caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. He revived us so that we were able to rebuild the temple of our God and repair its ruins. Listen to that last thing. So there's four things here. Is this great? This is just like four verses in a row. He brightened our eyes and granted us relief from our slavery. He, in his unfailing love, he did not abandon us. He caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. He revived us so we were able to rebuild the temple of our God and repair its ruins. The thing to remember about the Lord is the Lord just doesn't bless you just because he's bored. God is not bored. God does things for you and I, and then as those things are done in our lives, we become a part of his circuitry, so to speak, or a part of his plan, and that we are thus used in a certain capacity to extend the blessings that he's given us in order to create other blessings for other people. This is one of those, you know, given it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's also do unto others what you have them do unto you. It's all of those things kind of fulfilling together. And here we see in this passage, you get three things prior, that our eyes are brightened, so we have hope. He doesn't abandon us in his unfailing love. He caused the kings of Persia to be favorable towards us, and he revives us so that we're able to rebuild the temple of our God. God does things in our life for purpose. He doesn't do it for nothing. So maybe saying it better, the Lord will bring into your life reviving and revival, one, for your relationship with him to be more or to be strengthened or encouraged or empowered, and then two, to take that and bless others with it. So the Lord revived the children of Israel. He brightened their eyes. He gave them a home. He gave them a, a hope, I mean, and then he delivered them from their slavery. In his unfailing love, he never quit on them. He caused the kings of Persia to be favorable towards them. And now he's saying, and, and, and Ezra writes, he revived us so we could rebuild the temple of our God and repair its ruins. And the temple of God would then be able to be used for people to worship and people to acknowledge God. And so God pours all this stuff on these guys in order for them to move forward, repair the temple, and bring restoration for the people of God. And that's why he does stuff. You see? That's why. And so the Lord will revive you personally and collectively. It could be your church, could be your fellowship, could be a Bible study, could be a group. He'll, he'll bring life into it. He'll bring almost a, a, a vibrant life in it. But he's not doing it just because. He's doing it for purpose. And if you look at these 
verses together, I mean, I just, I really would encourage you to do that. Just go to Ezra chapter 9 and just kind of kind of go through verse 8 and 9 and just kind of stick them together. You'll just be like going, wow, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff for, for, for a nation that's got to make some changes and doing a lot of dumb things and doing a lot of wrong things. And, you know, Ezra was just, you know, Literally, he was just yelling at everybody, pulling his hair out and pulling his hair off his beard and off his head. And blah, blah, blah. But he hasn't forgotten the faithfulness of God, and God has not forgotten his faithfulness. God is faithful always. I'm not faithful always to everything I'm supposed to be doing, and odds are you're not either. But God is. God is never falling short in any of those things. And so he even brings revival into our lives. He does it. Just think about why revival will take place anywhere. Why does revival take place? Why does God go into a a city? Why does God go into a a country? Why does the Holy Spirit fall upon a people and revival comes? What happens during revival? People get saved. People make recommitments to the church. People reestablish the relationship with God. People start loving each other, walking in a better spirit. It all has purpose. Okay? Don't kid yourself. God won this. This, this. There are different battles we go through. The war is won. Okay? Read the end of the book. We win. Okay. Got it. But in the meantime, the Lord is establishing different, uh, what is that, beach points or beach heads or head points, something like that, where in each area, taking territory and territory and territory. And even in your own life, he brings reviving and revival for the sake of others. And to rebuild the temple of our God, which should be, in some of our hearts and minds, a bigger priority. Church isn't just, oh, it's church. Well, you know, it's church. That's the bride of Christ. Jesus went to great lengths to establish his church. Yeah, there's some bad churches. I wrote a book about it. But that is still the bride of Christ. You probably should be careful, right? Somebody talks about Noel in front of me. I will lay down my ministry for a time in order to make sure that my wife <laughs> is honored. I'm just saying. I know that's not the right attitude. I know. But if that's true from somebody like me, <laughs> what did Jesus say when when he said to Paul, he said, you're persecuting me, Paul. And Paul, when, he, when Paul was Saul, he's like, what are you talking about persecuting you? I'm persecuting the church. And Jesus is like, there you go. <laughs> that's right. You touch them, you touch me. Oh, that's different, right? Okay. Isn't that fantastic? I just love, I love how, the, how the Lord is actually much more intimate with us than we think. It's a lot less religious and a lot more cool, but for some reason— it's easier to stick it in a religious category because, I don't know, maybe we can compartmentalize and not have to think about it or something. I don't know. But the bottom line is that he revives us so that we're doing stuff in his kingdom, rebuilding in his temple, and we're a part of that. And the people of God are your brothers and your sisters. I don't care if you're Baptist, Pentecostal, Baptocostal, Lutheran. I don't care if you have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. If you know that he died on the cross, he was buried, and three days later he rose again. If you commune with the Lord God Almighty, you're my brother, you're my sister. We've got the same dad. We're blood relatives because it's the blood of Jesus Christ, and we drink from the same fountain, the Holy Spirit. Now, how cool is that? 
And as I've said before, and we'll say again, it's more and more true now than ever before. When they start shooting Christians and you're running, you're not going to turn to the person next to you and go, are you Methodist? Are you Pentecostal? Are you Baptist? That's not the conversation that's going to be happening. Okay? That, that, that's my point in that. Okay? All right. Hopefully that, that helps. Okay. True or false, Jesus warned his disciples that they would fall away. In fact, it is true. He said, you will fall away because of me. And then he quoted the shepherd gets uh, smacked and the sheep scattered. That was the reference point. Uh, Was it a permanent falling away? No. Was it a temporary? Yeah. Things were still being established. They're still trying to figure stuff out. That's okay. That's fine. All right, big thing to remember, do not let the world pollute you to the point that it dilutes you, okay? All right, you can even use that with other people. I give it to you, okay? All right, right, folks, you've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas, taking a 22-and-a-half-hour break, then we'll be back. More Insanity with Spoonanity. Talk to you then. The views expressed on the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.